you for tuning in to the Teaching for the Culture podcast. This is your host, Bianca Goolsby, and I'm an education activist fighting for equity in education and justice for all students. Thank you for tuning in to Teaching for the Culture, and this is your host, Bianca Goolsby, and I'm here with my special guest, and I'm going to allow her to introduce herself, um, but basically, we connected together, and I kind of want to give you the story of how we connected together, because I think it's really impactful. Um, so school board member, Dr. Stacy Hahn in Hillsborough County Public Schools actually reached out to me um, to connect us together because of the advocacy work that we're doing for our girls. And she was watching our episode where we were talking about the prison to pipeline and how it disproportionately impacts our black girls and the statistics around it. And so Dr. Stacy Hahn, um, that is advocating and reading to our children in Hillsborough County said, hey, I think that we should connect you guys together. I think it would be a great fit. And boy, was she right. So how are you doing today? Introduce yourself. Um, let people know your name, who you are, what you do, and let's get started. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Bianca. I am thrilled to be a part of your podcast. My name is Lakima Massey, and I am an author and a facilitator, and I am all about working to do anything to um, improve the lives of our teen and tween girls all over the world. So you have a book. And so I kind of want you to kind of open the door and kind of tell me about your book. What's it called? And what was the intention of creating this book? Of course. And I just so happen to have it sitting right here in front of me. So my book is, I know the screen's a little, my lighting is horrible. The book is called uh, Leilani's Choice. Uh, it's the first book of a series of books. Uh, the series is You Better Fly. Fly stands for First Love You, which is super important. That messaging is something that I want to reach to the core of every girl that I come in contact with or that hears the sound of my voice or that reads the book. And this book is super amazing. Uh, the target audience for this book is middle and high school girls, specifically seventh through 10th grade. However, all middle and high school girls are encouraged to read it. Um, aside from that, I absolutely intend for every parent and every adult who works with teen girls to read it as well. It's a book that's not just for the girls, but it's for everyone who comes in contact with them. The whole purpose of this book was so that the girls are able to see some of the issues and some of the different different things that they deal with in their daily lives played out in the lives of girls that are just like them. So the book has five main characters. Uh, the, that's the start of the series. Af an African-American girl who's going to be dealing with a lot of sexting and cyberbullying issues. Um, a Hispanic girl who's going to be dealing with some sexuality choices, decisions. Um, and a little bit of molestation is going to kind of come up from her past. Uh, a Caucasian girl who um, was adopted and is going to be dealing with some drug and alcohol issues. A, uh, a girl who has a, a Haitian family, who comes from Haitian descent, who um, is going to be dealing with some bullying and even tampering with suicide. So it gets a little heavy. Uh, and then there's a biracial girl. So a girl who's mixed, who's going to be dealing with the teen pregnancy and sex a little bit more, maybe even some abortion and all that kind of stuff is going to come into the conversation. And so the goal was so that every girl in the world would be able to see herself 
played out in one of the characters in this book, rather through physical appearance or just social issue or just day-to-day interaction with the people that they're dealing with, I wanted the girls in the world to truly see that they are not in this alone, the things that they're dealing with, they're not dealing with it by themselves, and they can also see the consequences of some of those actions and decisions that they're making without having to go through it all. Realistically, they're going to see it being played out in the lives of these girls. And so this book is for them, but it's also for the parents and for the adults, because now you can see and you can hear what goes through the girls' minds when they have those attitudes, when they're locking themselves up in the rooms, when they don't want you to touch their phones, when they won't tell you what's going on and they're telling you they're fine, but you can see all over their face what's up. And it, it, my, my goal in that is that it would urge parents, it'll urge teachers, it'll urge anyone that works with them to dig deeper, to dig beyond that kind of like, I don't want to deal with you, to go further than that. Because sometimes us just taking that extra step to, to reach out and to help them a little bit more, we can literally be saving their lives or helping them from dealing with things that they don't. It's so heavy. They shouldn't have to bear it all by themselves. So that's why I wrote the book. I wrote the book so that um, the girls can finally hear things that they don't want to talk to adults about. Um, Some girls just don't talk to their parents about anything. I know when I was in middle school and high school, I absolutely, and my mom's probably watching, you're going to listen to this, so I love you. Um, But I did not talk to my mom about everything. I definitely didn't talk to my dad about everything. And I had older sisters and I didn't talk to them about everything. And I could have probably avoided a lot of my stuff that I dealt with. Um, Had I had uh, something to look to, had I had someone to talk to, had I had someone who I could trust that would not judge me or punish me for some of the things that I was even just thinking sometimes, not even doing, sometimes just thinking. So that's why I wrote the book. And I'm super excited. And I just want everybody to read it. Excited for, you know, what you're doing and advocating. And you said something when you were talking about sometimes we have to dig deeper. And I think that brings us back to the segment that I was telling you about before we um, hopped on air. And it's called The Whole Child. And that segment really talks about digging deep on how we can best support our children at the root. And not to just address the surface level things, but actually addressing the things that, you know, they're experiencing trauma and they're experiencing the pressure and everything else that's under the sun. So my question for you is, why do you think that some girls are left behind? I think that and and so there's a few different reasons, in my opinion. I think that one being sometimes girls truly don't have anyone to talk to. So in some cases, it's impossible to give some of the girls the help that they need because they realistically don't have anyone to talk to. They don't have that outlet. Not every girl has an opportunity to be raised by their parents. You know, not every girl has an opportunity to be raised by parents who are able to be super engaged in their lives. You know, that's another reason. And sometimes, um, whether our parents are in our lives or are not in our lives, Um, sometimes our girls are left behind simply because, as I stated, we're not going that extra mile. Mm -hmm. And I know that as adults, we have, you know, and I I don't have children. I have nieces. I have nephews. I've worked with children for years and, you know, in different areas and families and communities. But what I notice that sometimes is 
in an effort to sometimes prioritize ourselves as adults and all of the things that we are working towards, we sometimes forget that just because we're an adult, that doesn't mean that my child isn't going through so much stuff, you know, as well. And sometimes we just kind of look at it from a surface level. And we oftentimes brush it off as, oh, this isn't so important, or this isn't that big of a deal. Or when I level up to what I'm dealing with, what my child is dealing with, you know, there's like a complete difference. And, you know, she has no reason to act like this. She has no reason to have an attitude, you know? So it can be in the most affluent of neighborhoods or in the most poverty stricken of neighborhoods. Um, unfortunately, if there are parents who work all the time because they are trying to provide for their children, they just don't have the time. So they're not there. And if those children are not involved in mentor programs, if they're not involved in true academic um, after school or summer or different types of programs where the staff members or the volunteers are truly engaged in doing programming that really reaches them and really talks to them and listens to them, um, you know, they, they won't get it there because then, you know, a lot of cases, kids go home. If my parents can't afford after school care or if I'm not interested in the after school care because it's not beneficial to me, I'm going home. So if all I'm doing is going to school all day and I leave school with all of my issues and all of my stuff and I go home and sometimes I go home to even more issues and even more stuff, where is the outlet? Who's there to help me? Because when I'm home, my parents are dealing with their stuff. When I'm at school, my teachers are so focused on just keeping us so academically focused and so academically in tune. So then how am I really ever dealing with the other stuff? My life's more than just being a child and studying my books, you know? Um, and so it kind of can go both ways. And I think that unfortunately, that's how some of our girls or teens and tweens in general are being left behind because they're, they are not actively engaged or able to speak to adults or be involved in different types of programming. And sometimes the options are just not there. Um, as I mentioned, I've worked with after school, summer camp programs and things of that nature. And unfortunately, um, there are programs out there that are just time fillers, you know? It's just a time filler. The kids can go and they'll just be there for the sake of I'm here until my parent picks me up. But how much am I, is there anything that's really getting to the root of who I am? Um, and so sometimes that's even the missing piece. So unfortunately, the answer isn't even just putting them into programs. About the whole child, a lot of programs like after school programs, they don't really say, OK, let's mental health check in. Let how mm -hmm. are you feeling today and and kind of go through a checklist of how's your day and mm -hmm. what exactly did you do today? And what are things you would like different in your day? Because, you know, parents, they'll say, oh, how's your day? Fine. And then, you know, they, they move on over and they don't really get to the root and it's more just a, another issue, another barrier. Mm -hmm. My question for you is, how do you think social media comes into play with the mental health issues that our children are facing with, especially our young girls? Gosh, social media is so huge, man. It's so huge. I mean, I am a grown up and I am on social media all the time, you know, and our our teens, our tweens, our girls, um, unfortunately, those likes and those follows and those, you know, all of that, that plays such a huge part in their self-esteem and their self-confidence and even now their self-identity. So I am who I portray on, you know, my Facebook or Snapchat or any of these other um, Instagram, whatever. There's so many different ones. Yeah. When you're on social media, you can be whoever you want to be. You can tell the world that you are anything. You can tell them that you're anywhere. 
and you can play whatever storyline you want to play into. And also, and, 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 and honestly, that just disconnects them from who they really are. Because a lot of times they're being this person online and they're modeling after somebody else, this, this celebrity or this hottest person or this Instagram person who has, you know, um, who's an Instagram model nowadays or whatever it is. And so it, it, it hits so many different areas. One, as I mentioned, their self-esteem, their self-confidence. Because you post a picture and you're checking it every five minutes to see if you got another like, to see if you got another comment. Um, and then with all of the cyberbullying and stuff that's going on now, people can take your pictures and make a meme out of it and, you know, talk about you and put it in this group chat and share it to this person and do that with it. And so there's so much bad that can come from it. Um, but more than anything, I think the biggest impact for me as it pertains to social media is that that need to kind of be liked or to get their approval from people based upon what they're posting. And unfortunately, that leads them to sometimes um, when I talk to my girls, my mentor programs, I get completely real with them. Um, it leads to some of our girls posting thirst traps. You know, now we're um, in our midriff or a bikini and shorts and you know, we're posting all different types of pictures and we're showing off everything and showing off everything to everyone. Um, and it's like, it's just getting smaller and tighter and, you know, more revealing to get more attention. It's all about the attention, you know, whatever I got to do to get the attention. Um, and, and that's not with every child. So I like to say that first because my girls always get on me. Um, it's not every girl, but it has an opportunity to affect every girl. And that is what scares me most about it. And so what I am trying to do is utilize the virtual presence. So through social media and through other virtual opportunities, my goal is to take back the power of you know, our, that virtual presence and how can we empower our girls um, and how can we build a healthy community online with our girls, supporting each other, getting the encouragement they needing they need, and then being able to provide for them a safe place is what I'm looking to do for them as well. Um, there's some studies that I've been doing. And like I said, I have a segment on Thursday and I kind of talk deep about social media. Um, yeah. Those likes and those shares that impacts and that brings dopamine um, to them. And so that yeah. continues to um, perpetuate these behaviors over and over again. And it, you know, I, I continue to say it, clout is the new drug. That's what yeah. it is. And unfortunately, some of our children, they are, you know, kind of programmed in this way because they are desensitized to what they see on social media. Yeah. And so this is why we have people right now today and the pandemic that we're dealing with, you have children coughing on produce, you have children licking ice cream, you have oh, children doing everything, and then some knowing that that is not anything appropriate, but they're getting the likes and the shares yeah. and, and, and that is what's oh, driving man. the force. But just even take a step further than that of how many predators there are on the social media apps that, you know, pretend to be children that are grooming our, our young girls, our young queens into situations that's very damaging. As a middle school teacher, I've seen so many crazy things take place where you have older men groom children. I, you know, I had a child that was pregnant 
and she uh-huh. didn't know who, you know, who had impregnated her. And it could have been, you know, a child or it could have it could have been somebody else. And it's one of those things like this is real life. Like our children are really dealing with some real life issues. And who can they talk to if they go to social media and they put their business on social media? Well, that's going to be, you know, uh, clipped and, and screenshot and it's going to mm-hmm. be disseminated all over the school. And yeah. if they tell their parents, then they're feeling that guilt and the shame. And, you know, sometimes parents ask questions, but they're not ready to receive the answer. At all. Yeah. At all. yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, I, I completely agree, agree with what you said. And it's so sad to even think that, you know, the, with this day and age with grown, these grown old men are coming after and, you know, are praying quite honestly on our girls. And that's what's so sad is because, because our, the parents are not as engaged in their children's lives, they miss it. They miss it completely. They're not following them on their on their on their you know social media pages. And I know because the girls they've gotten me a few times. They have their two different pages, so I'm I know you can't catch it all. Um, but sometimes parents don't even try. It's just like whatever. Like that's you. That's your life. I'm gonna let you have your life, and I'm gonna have my life. To me, that's like no. You should even if it's not. I mean, it doesn't have to be you checking every day. Give me your phone. Let me check and see everything that you're doing. But just knowing that at any point, I, my mom like can see what I'm posting or my mom can come check, that'll keep me on my toes even a little bit the more. But knowing that I never have to worry about it, there's no telling what I can do or what I can say. Like I say it all the time, when I was a teenager, I the worst thing that my mom ever did to me was took my cell phone when I was in like 11th grade. She took my cell phone when I got in trouble and I just took it. She took it with the intention of going through everything that was in my phone. And I can remember trying to lock myself up in the bathroom, like trying to get away from her because I did not want her to see what was in my phone. But her doing that, and then and I know it's you know to a degree this is an invasion of privacy, and you want to trust your friend, your your children, and you want to build that relationship. Um, but my mom knew that I was doing something that I shouldn't have been doing because we had a level of communication, so she knew something was off, and so that's why she invaded my privacy in that way because she knew that something was off, and it was right for her to do that. Now, I mean, I'm thirty now, so I can say that, but back then, absolutely not. But now looking back, I. Me looking back as an adult, looking at that situation, I'm glad she did it because of what I was dealing with during that time. And because I wouldn't talk and I wouldn't share, you know, it it was for its own purposes. Um, But for me, it's just there's a lot. And I feel like, um, you know, that right now, social media is just it's really just taking over. And, you know, and unfortunately, that's where that's where the approval is coming from. That's where the conversations are coming from. And so my urge is to have these tough conversations. And like you said, parents, you're asking questions, but you don't really want to know the answer to it. You know, if you're going to talk about sex, talk about sex. If you're going to talk about relationships, talk about relationships. One of the biggest things, because in addition to writing the book, I, as I've been saying, I lead mentor programs for girls as well. And one of the biggest things the girls will tell me as I do their journaling exercises and things like that is, I don't know, like, I can't talk to my mom because she won't understand. You know, she won't get it if I tell her some of the stuff I'm dealing with. I can't even ask her these questions because she's not going to tell me what she did. I'd like to know how my mom felt when she was in this grade. You know, when did she lose her virginity? When did she have her first heartbreak? When did she have 
all of these things happen to her. That, that will also encourage your teens to open up. You share a little bit of yourself, it encourages them to share a little bit of themselves. And that is honestly what I think is missing. Have those conversations, be the positive role model, push them when they don't want to talk. Don't just stop because they're like telling you that their day is fine, like keep it going. And I think that that's what's missing. Communication is key. Um, have open conversations with your kids. And I know sometimes it's really awkward. Um, especially if you don't already have that established rapport, that established relationship. It's really awkward to start now, like especially if you're a child, you and them haven't really talked about things that went really deep. Um, so I would say start off light. It can be something as simple as when you go to the grocery store taking them with you. Car rides do the trick, you know, encouraging them to put their phone down during the car ride, turn down the music. Both of you are not on your phones and music's not on to distract you and just have a conversation. That helps. That can start because why? You're both trapped in the car. So you're both going to have to talk, but it's an it's an easy way to get things going. Start spending more time with them so that you can have organic conversation. Get a favorite TV show to watch with them now, you know, and be be kind of, you know, smart with what you choose. So if you're going to choose something that obviously has things that deal with relationships or deal with some of the issues that you kind of want to talk to your child about, but you don't know how to approach Watch a movie or a television show that will hit on it. So then now you can have a conversation about the character, which will then lead you to the light. And so that's what a lot of parents who read my book were saying. The book was a good conversation starter between them and the kid. So and I'm not just trying to club my book low key, but it's another it's that's a that's a way. So the book can be used in the same way that a movie or a television show can be used. When I'm talking to my child about um, relationships or heartbreak or cyberbullying, I'm now talking to them about ley lining. So without them having to tell me what they did or they didn't do, we can have a conversation about values, morals, what we should do, what we shouldn't do based upon a character, which can then lead to real life. It just opens up the communication line. And if it's really, really hard for you to talk, if that's still um, super intimidating for you, I encourage parents to do a journal with their kids, a communication journal. Um, you write down a question, leave it on your child's bed. They answer it. If they have a question or whatever, they write it down or something they want to talk to you, they leave it on your bed. And it's a way to communicate if you or your child will have like, um, you know, aren't super comfortable or, or pretty intimidated with having that face to face conversation. It's a way that can help bridge the gap as well. Now, before you shout out your book and all that, um, just yeah, yeah. parents too. You know, parents, I, I really want you to be intentional to have intentional conversations with your children. Um, yeah. If you do not have intentional conversations with your children, they're going to have intentional conversations with someone else, That's or and yeah. or yeah. you know, things that may not be positive for them. And so, this is a great resource. And shout out your book, how people can connect with you, um, how people can reach you, um, for all the great things that you're doing in the community. So um, as I mentioned, the book is called Leilani's Choice, um, and we'll put it up because I know the spelling, L-A-I-L-A-N-I, it's a little confusing, but Leilani's Choice, it's available uh, as a paperback and ebook on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. So you can go online and you can purchase it. If you don't want to go on and search for it, you can go to my Facebook or my Instagram page. Um, both are answers, the number four teens answers for teens. 
Um, that's the name on Instagram and that's the name on Facebook. So you can follow me there and you'll see all the information there. Or you can go directly to my website, which is lakimamassey.com. Simple as such. It'll connect you to all my social media pages. It'll connect you uh, to the links to purchase the book. It'll connect you to my YouTube channel, um, to where um, I post things on my social media, but you can also see them on YouTube. Uh, I've started doing kind of ask, ask Miss L, you know, answers for teens. The students can direct message me. They can leave me a chat on my website. They can direct chat with me, but I get them to ask questions and I will answer them back for them on social media or on YouTube. So they'll be able to get a direct answer from me and I'm sharing it publicly because I used to, they used to text me individually, but I realized, hey, this can help so many others. So now when they ask me a question, I don't tell them who, you know, I'm not sharing your name. You don't have to worry about that. Um, but then I'll, I'll answer it publicly. And I do the same for adults. I've had adults hit me from all over as well, asking me how to have conversations with their child or asking me how to deal with things in their own personal lives. So if I get a question, I'll answer it. Um, you know, you can communicate with me, get on my website, get on my social media pages. Um, but have the conversations. It's so necessary. I'm very thankful that you've taken time out your day to just have a talk with us about how we can bridge the gap with our girls and being intentional and making sure that we can do everything that we can. So um, a lot of people said that this was a great um, interview and a lot of good information. So people are really um, feeling that. And again, I appreciate you so much. And thank you all again for tuning in.